Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight. Alongside me, we got David. Spooky boys. Spooky what? Not a fancy switch up this time. No, honestly, I just realized when he started the show, I was like, <laughs> oh no, I didn't prepare. <laughs> so no. I panicked. <laughs> Back to the original. Also <laughs> known as Nightly. Freddy is not here. Freddy's doing Freddy stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, he'll be back on the next one. Uh, but David might not be here for that one, right? Yeah, I might not be yeah. here. But we'll figure that out later. We are a group of nights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down, discuss the ultimate question. Why horror? So hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelope you. You can support the show over on patreon.com slash goodnightlife. That's not what they would. Yay. By pledging on Patreon, you have access to the show ad-free and as early as Monday with a post-show. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. An episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. Continuing our possession month, also known as, forgive me, Father, <laughs> I, uh have been having a blast with this month yeah it, we've definitely seen some movies <laughs> yeah we've seen some movies <laughs> one that's very traditional and another one that's not so traditional and mm-hmm. now another one that is kind of both yeah i was gonna <laughs> i was gonna phrase it the same way it's it's very much in the middle yeah so the movie we are talking about tonight everyone is john carpenter's Prince of Darkness. We finally have completed the Apocalypse Trilogy. That's crazy. We went out of order, but yeah. that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't really like fall that much in line. Yeah. But yeah. What, I, a, what a weird movie. Yeah, it's definitely weird. <laughs> I First and foremost, thoughts. Yeah, I uh, I thought the, the setup and the presentation of this film is very excellent. I agree. I think it presents itself on a platter very well. Like when you like, okay, I'll, I'll use this analogy. It's a presented meal where like, wow, that looks delicious. And then you taste it and like, oh yeah, it's all right. <laughs> uh, yes. Like it looks better than it tastes. Cause I was all in when the movie opened up. Like I said, the presentation was great. The, the score by Carpenter is amazing. It's so good. My goodness. That got me stoked to like, jump into this story and figure out what was going to happen um man the opening going back and forth between the the introduction and the credits yeah for some reason had a lot of impact i think that was really well I done i really really like that yeah yeah uh like it kept the suspense exactly production seemed very high budget which is awesome i think where this oh and i really love the attempt in the diversity in the casting i agree yeah, yeah. it was really cool to see um more Asian actors in in the eighties, because um, you didn't see a lot of that. No, and especially in um, you know leading roles. Right. Yeah. So it was really cool to see that. Yeah. Uh, I think this film could have definitely benefited from where to say more exposition uh, and maybe a smaller crew. I agree. This movie is very smart. And mm. not smart as in a genius-made film, even though it is. It, it is a very well-crafted movie, I feel like. 
Um, but this movie says a lot of big words yeah. and they say a lot of scientific things mm-hmm. where you, you as an audience member are just like, what? It has this <laughs> expectation that you are a fellow student right. studying the same subject as yeah. these other students are to understand just easily as they do. Yeah, this movie makes you feel stupid. Kind of, like, yeah. <laughs> like you, they say things so nonchalantly in such a scientific way and you're just like, is that real? Yeah. Like, are that, you, are you, like, I constantly had myself asking the same thing. Like, are they just making things right. up? Like, or is this real? Like they're saying a lot of fancy yeah. scientific words right now. And I can't tell if it's true or not. I also <laughs> feel like there was a lot of horror elements that were just there to be scary and, and didn't really have context behind it. And we'll get into that. We will. Yeah. We definitely will. Um, but for my thoughts ultimately of this movie, I enjoy this movie. Yeah. Like I, I definitely love this movie. It is the one that lacks the most out of the trilogy mm-hmm. for me personally though. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like he ended the trilogy with such a bang of like in the mouth of madness. Yeah. That's in amazing. 1994. Yeah. So it's just like, for me, I feel like he made up for it. Mm-hmm. But, um, and obviously if you start something so strong, like the thing, yeah. like <laughs> it's kind of hard to really follow something up like that. That's true. But, I mean, you know, this is my favorite type of Carpenter, though. Like, I love when Carpenter does these films that are very odd and mm-hmm. that don't really make sense. It does have a lot of charm to it. It does. Yeah. Like, it definitely does. Like, it, and it feels... It, and I, I think that's why I enjoy Carpenter so much, because Carpenter has a style, but he doesn't really have an aesthetic. A hundred percent accurate. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Like you know when you're watching a Carpenter film, right? But they aren't. They're necessarily all different the same. from yeah. each other. Like Christine doesn't feel like Halloween. Exactly, Halloween yeah. doesn't feel like the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, like they all feel so different. Yeah. And big time. And same thing with like um, Big Trouble in Little China. Like same thing. Like it feels so different, but yet Carpenter just has this style when it comes to him and he knows he knows how to move a fucking camera like he knows yeah, how to definitely. direct oh like, my goodness he can direct the fuck out of a scene yes i totally agree with you it's interesting because i kept thinking that i i think this movie could have benefited from maybe another hour hour and a half surprisingly i agree yeah um i agree this movie would have probably rolled if it was two and a half hours yeah and that's weird to say yeah but i want it so much more Me as too. to what like the aspect of the mirrors like yes you know they they briefly brushed on that when they said the whole thing of a mirror image mm-hmm. um and that was like a very quick conversation very easy to miss exactly yeah so for me like i would have loved more exposition yeah. on just that alone or the mirror world which i guess is hell like i would have loved that um as well but i think what holds it back is probably uh the technology at the time and yeah. the production costs that would come with doing everything sure. that they probably wanted to do. Yeah, I'm sure. And, and we'll, we'll definitely jump into it. Well, actually let's do it right now. <laughs> Prince of darkness directed by John Carpenter released October 23rd in 1987, a runtime of one hour and 42 minutes with a budget of $3 million and a box office of $14.1 million. I'm actually wow. kind of surprised. At that. Yeah, I am. I am too, honestly. <laughs> like that, that does feel a little unknown to me, but uh, a rating of 58% on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't necessarily agree with that score. I think this movie is definitely a lot of fun. I would probably rate it around the 70s or late 60s. I think for me it's personally. what you mentioned earlier that it's a very smart film and a lot of people yeah. may have just 
you know the the moment you don't pay attention for like a good couple minutes yes. you're you're you're, done. you're behind yeah right and that's that is the downfall of this movie if you're not paying attention this isn't a movie that you can just have on to have on yeah like they say a lot of crazy shit and since everyone is a scientist we don't yeah. have anyone who's a layman yeah they don't have to use layman terms and so they even like, say Fuck. their theories don't make sense and that's the point it's right. not supposed to make sense exactly which, which is, yeah you motherfucker yeah exactly <laughs> we open to a priest lying down in bed his hands moving off a small chest on his stomach as he shuts his eyes title shot Graduate student Brian is walking out toward the quad, stopping to stare at this girl talking to her friend. And we find out later that, like, that's his boo. Like, <laughs> like, like he really wants that to be his boo. Yep. <laughs> they leave, and he decides to go th- uh, the other direction, looking back as he does. Um, looking back, um, as he does so. A nun goes to check on the priest, now dead in bed with the small chest still on his body. The, bo- the body is removed, the nun telling another priest that she found, she found him this morning. He asks why was he there. She mentions that he had an appointment with the um, eminence uh, this afternoon, which the eminence is like the cardinals in the Catholic Church. Got it. The priest turns turns around, looking at the, at the chest, cut to him reading a journal about the Brotherhood of Sleep. What a name. Yeah. Like... That is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like it's that stuff right there that I don't think of. Yeah. Like the 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 brotherhood of sleep. Well, that's see that's what I'm saying. I would love an extra hour in the film and let's let's look at the lore yeah. of the brotherhood of sleep even more. I let's want go to. deeper. I want a flick just of them. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Like that would be amazing cuz they sounded like badasses. Yeah. They called them um sl- so- guardians right guardian priest or something like that um but i don't know focusing on the words quote unquote the sleeper awakens professor howard um barack is walking to class um and (laughs) they got some big ass briefcases back in the 80s yo i was thinking the same like what do they have in there their whole life like (laughs) like, what's happening (laughs) probably test kits like like, what's going on (laughs) he stops looking up he stops to look up at the sky the sun almost eclipsed before heading inside that was another interesting concept that we kind of kept getting you know what's also really fucking crazy right now uh we're recording this during a lunar eclipse oh are we really yes (laughs) whoa (laughs) and it's like one of these lunar eclipses that don't happen for another 600 years what yes so i gotta get back on the internet (laughs) (laughs) i don't know these things yes you do but yeah well that's that's fun um but uh, as a mountain of ants are sprawling in the dirt, which those ants, yeah, wow, the focus on like the sound and it sounded gross. It did. It sounded gross. Discomforting. But I really loved the aspect of the critters mm-hmm. inside of this movie. Uh, objects of the earth, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. The priest is speaking with two cardinals as they walk past the fountain. Their conversation is indistinct, but he shows them inside the chest, pulling out a key. Back with Barak, um, teaching his students about their beliefs and what they can learn about them. Lecturing that they believe nature is solid and time is constant, matter having substance and time a direction. Truth being in flesh and the solid ground. Once again, like all this shit is like a bunch of malarkey right now. (laughs) And it's just like, what are you you on? Yeah, because very quickly I was like, should I be paying attention should i be taking notes like, right like like this should is, I like rewind? it made me feel like i was in class yeah like but we've later find out that they're um uh graduate students mm-hmm. 
because that wasn't context in the beginning. They looked old. Yeah. But yeah. we get that later that like, oh, they're graduate students. So technically they're they know this shit mm-hmm. already. Um, as he continues his lessons on tangibles, we are panning through his class um, and we're kind of getting all these people, I guess, just paying attention. But Mullins. That motherfucker looks old as shit. He already got a cul-de-sac. Yeah. Slash mullet. Yep. Like, I'm just like, bro. <laughs> you. <laughs> I thought the exact same thing. Man. But shout out to um, Barack, bro. Like, what, what's his name? Um, shit. Victor Wong. Shout out to him. Because have you seen Three Ninjas? No, I haven't. You've never seen Three Ninjas? Okay. So Three Ninjas is a movie from the 90s with these kids um, who I think it was like Colt, Tommy, and Tum Tum, or some shit. Sounds like that. very nineties. Like it's already. so nineties, <laughs> and these three kids are brothers. Okay, and they're um, I guess they're half Asian, half white, but they look completely stark white. Like they just look like white kids. But their uncle is Victor Wong Got in it. this movie, and they're it's pretty much Home Alone mm. meets Karate Kid. Yo, that sounds awesome. Three Little Ninjas rules. That it's, sounds sick. <laughs> it rules. Does it hold up? No. It, it definitely doesn't. It sounds like, though, they, they casted three white kids and just said, just say they're half Asian. That's it. Damn, that's fucked up. That's what they did. That's that is literally up. what they did. It, Victor Wong was their uncle, but it was like a really cool sequence I remember in that movie where they had like these awesome fucking masks that their uncle gave them. I was like, yo, that's dope as shit. It was either their uncle or grandfather. I don't know. One or two. But yeah, shout out to him. <laughs> <laughs> the priest the uh, priest is outside St. Goddard's abandoned church. He heads inside, walking through the empty halls, coming to it. This is a weird church. This is It's like place in a weird area. Like it looks like a crack house. Yeah, like it does. This, this church doesn't look like a church at all. It looks like a hall, like a YMCA. Yeah, exactly. It does. <laughs> it just looks like it uh, has been there for a long time, but everything around it has changed. Right. Yeah. And it's just like decrepit. It's Love like, the statue oh, out front. Me too. It's, it invokes such a gothic feeling. Yes. Yeah, like that. And for context for folks who haven't seen the movie, um, it's a, a Holy Mary statue. Yeah. And um, it's, it's great. Yeah. Like the whole aesthetic of this building it feels so off that it looks like a portal to hell. Yeah, totally. Like, it doesn't look like a church at all, mm-hmm. and I think that's why I like it. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. <laughs> I didn't look up who St. Goddard is. Um, I usually look those up, and I'm actually now kind of curious um, because I don't I don't know who that is um, and what his significance is. You know, I didn't realize until very recently that, like, saints specifically are saints for a reason. Yeah, and like, they're real people. Yeah, like, I always just... I never understood there is context to <laughs> churches being named after saints. I'm like, it's just a name, right? Yeah. But well, there's specific reasonings for yeah, that. Like yeah. Mother Teresa, she's a saint. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it, this dude's nothing. Like he's just, he just he. I mean, he is something, but like he just like did like stuff with like humanities and theology. Like that was his main theology. Focus. Yeah. So that works with the theme of the film, right? Yeah. So that's what that's what he did. Um. But he, he was, oh my God, nine sixty A.D. Oh my wow. God! Wow, <laughs> that's a long time ago. Coming to a door, using the the key on it, and pushing it open. Cut to Brian leaving class, and it being night. He spots his classmate Catherine walking uh, walking on, or excuse, walking into a bookstore. With a slight smirk, he looks around and posts up at a tree to stare at her. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking 80s man yeah honestly <laughs> like, honestly when i was watching this i was like this stuff it's just 
is creepy now. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> and that stash. It, oh my god, that that porn stash. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, every time he came on screen, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, it when he took his shirt off. Yo, I did not expect this man to be this. Yeah, ripped. homeboy was ripped. <laughs> I was like, good for you when I saw that. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> Looking up at the moon, he hears her coming out of the bookstore with another guy. Bumped, he decides to go about his business. Meanwhile, the priest is typing a letter to Barack um, about the unusual phenomenon happening in the church. Barack is lecturing to his class on a different day, comparing um, Job's friends, insisting, insisting that the good are rewarded and the wicked punished to scientists of the 30s proving that nothing that not everything can be proved this is start this is when we're now in the territory of like none of this makes sense yeah and you just have to deal with it yeah. <laughs> trying to impose order in the universe but order does it does exist it not being what they have had in mind a woman asks um, ask him a question, a black car pulls up outside of the class. A nun comes into the school, passing all the onlooking students to speak with Barack. Brian's friend, Walter, wonders what's going on. I didn't like Walter's character that much. Like, he just tried to be too funny for me. Yeah, I have to agree with you. And, like, that part where he tries to tell the joke at, uh, in that very serious moment, I'm just like, what? He, his character was just so he's odd for me. Written very differently compared to everyone else. He is. Yeah. Yeah. He very much is. Brian. Brian isn't sure, but he reminds Walter that Barack uh, did the debate on the BBC a few years back, and he did this debate with like priests and stuff like that. Walter remembers Brian thinking that this possibly planning another one. Barack goes up to the mission of meeting with a priest. Their conversation indistinct. He takes Barack inside, explaining that the priest died before his appointment with with a cardinal, but he left his diary. The priest hands, hands it to him, pleading for his help. Cut to Brian in his room, the TV appearing with the discovery of, of uh, the supernova. He unmutes it, the announcer speaking on the on discovery of, um, of the supernova having immense significance to the scientific community. Brian watches the set as ants invade the back of his TV. This is so... So this is where it gets really intriguing because it's just like, were they just pre-chosen? I wonder, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Because it's just... there's And see, because I wonder if that, because I like that you bring up that question, because this is a moment where can be used as evidence, as I explained earlier. Things are there for a scare factor with no right. context. Right. And it happens a lot throughout the movie. Exactly. And I, I wanted more context on these critters. Yeah, I thought, like, I thought we were going to get it. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, And I just think it was just critters are just... I don't know. It's just there to gross people out. Right. And freak them out. The devil's toys. I don't know. Like, I, But I, we do get some type of context where Barack has that very brief explanation of ants being controlled by a higher power. Yes. And he compares that to all of them mm-hmm. also being controlled by this higher power. Yes. Um. So maybe that's just it. Maybe it's just this higher power controlling the sky and shit and ants. Yeah, I do think worms. they are there presented as... An explaining factor that he explains to us, right? Right. And, um, it turns out that in comparison, you have light versus dark. You have yeah. people that are quote unquote normal, good. They're controlled by the light. And then yeah. you have those that do evil that are controlled by the dark. Right. Just like how ants have 
a yeah. queen that controls what they do. That makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. The priest and Barak pull, uh, pull up to the abandoned church. He takes Barak d- toward the room, sharing the sharing that the other priest was the guardian priest. That's awesome. Guardian priest. So yeah. cool. <laughs> <laughs> Living there for over 30 years, and once a week, he would leave for food. But every day, he would open this door. The priest opens the door to a stairwell. They continue, uh, they continue their submerge. The priest shares the history as they walk underground. It was built in the 1500s by, a, by arrangement with the Spanish government. Barak asks who knew about this. The priest responds that only members of the Brotherhood of Sleep. He explains that there was a vow of silence, their existence um, kept from the Vatican, and the gu- and that the guardian priest would keep the secret. That is fucking bananas to me. That is. Like, that is so crazy. And even, like, Barack was just like, the Vatican didn't even know about this? Yeah. So it's really interesting because I thought about our last week's film, right? And then when oh, I, yeah. when this statement was presented, I'm like, Oh, this is what I enjoy. Right. Like I love like the the secret history yes. of Catholicism and the shit that's like so supposed to be hidden and not right. spoken of. I'm like that's when I get intrigued. Yeah. Definitely. Especially with the, the age of the history and all that. Absolutely. Yeah. And and the fact that something is like hidden within the church that's a part yeah. of the church is bananas to think about. Yeah, cuz this church has like a different floor that just has like modern rooms. Right. Like a hall like I imagine people having like I don't know, like an eighth, eighth birthday or something in there. Or so, I don't even know. You know, something like that. But yeah. at the same time, you have something underground from there. Right. That's crazy to think of. Ugh. So interesting. Yeah. So interesting. Uh, but they are supposed to pass it on to the uh, to another before they die. He continues that they had enormous power and authority, nobody questioning their actions. They come across the room with candles and crucifixes placed all around the room. In the middle of the room, a large container with glowing, swirling green liquid um, is, is uh, placed in the center. This is so interesting. Like, the liquid and the whole swirling and how that is the devil. Interesting is a really good word to use. Yeah, <laughs> I I I commend it for its uniqueness for sure. Me too. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen something look quite like this before. It felt, it looks so sci-fi. It, it does. Like the container, I mean. Right. Like, it um, reminds me of like Zoran and Power Rangers. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, what I thought of I thought of a, uh, or just now I'm thinking of Hercules uh, when they go to the underworld and Hades has oh, all yeah. the green souls and everything. Yeah. Almost akin to that. Yeah, like the, what is that called? The Sea of Sticks, I think. Lake of Sticks? Something like I that. Know. Sticks, Lakes? I don't know. Bar- uh, Barak is in awe. The priest takes him over to the, to the uh, to a book. He tells Barak that some of the words are in Latin, Coptic, Greek, and Numbers, commenting that it isn't easy to decipher, and the original text has been re- uh, rewritten over the years. I love that. Me too. Yeah. Me too. But you can still see the old writing underneath. Looking at the cylinder container, Barak asks uh, what is inside. The priest suggesting that um, it is a secret that can no longer be kept. He asks Barak um, if he feels it. Barak agrees that he feels something. The priest telling him that it it was never there before and it started a month ago. So, so interesting. Very. It's. Uh, I, I wonder why the secret can't be kept anymore, though. I think it's just... The presence, like it's just the, escaping, right? And with the ants and the yeah. the uh, way the sky is feeling and things like that, it's just time, right? And I okay. think I think it's just literally him saying like the antichrist is happening. Yeah, um, Barack doesn't understand the priest commenting that uh, the change in the earth and the sky, calling it quote unquote his power. Cut to Walter ranting about something not making sense to Catherine. She explains that it violates the common sense. He jokes, asking her if he, if she knows anything about spontaneous human combustion. Um, 
<laughs> I mean, legit though, why is he like fly as fuck? Yeah, like, honestly, dude. <laughs> I appreciate it like, though. I appreciate as the far steez. as a casting perspective. Hands down. Like yeah. the steez was on fucking point with Walter, yeah, man. Totally. She laughs, then gets serious, um, since it is um Schrdinger's cat. I didn't get this part. I don't know who Schrdinger is. They do have last names, um, so maybe it's one of them, but I don't know. Yeah, I think they were just trying to use an analogy that seemed complex, but is also easy to understand. Right. Basically, when you don't see a cat, it doesn't exist. When you see it, it materializes into reality, Right. living or dead. That makes sense. And it's just basically them saying... Something doesn't exist unless you're looking at it. So Schrodinger's cat is a real experiment. Oh, really? In quantum mechanics, Schrodinger's cat is th- is a thought experiment that illustrates a paradox of quantum super superposition. In the thought experiment, a hypothetical cat may be considered simultaneously both alive and dead as a result of its fate being linked to a random subatomic event that may or may not have occurred. That seems very open to interpretation. <laughs> I think, and I think that's the point. Yeah, <laughs> alive or dead, right? So weird. That is weird. Schrodinger's cat. There we go. The point being that someone needs to um, observe the cat, or he's not in any definite state, either dead or alive. She she argues that the cat is in a wave of superposition state, both dead and alive at the same time. Walter doesn't understand. She ex- she explains that only when when they open the box and observe the cat, it materializes into reality, either dead or alive. He still believes that it doesn't make sense. That is her point. Huh. It doesn't make any common sense. Their sense breaking down to a subatomic level. He jokes on the reason why he uh, wants a PhD in this. And I think his reason is just like, why am I trying to do this again? He was like, oh, to become a millionaire. That's right. I actually <laughs> really appreciate that line because do. you don't get a lot of characters in these scenarios in films where it's like, yeah, the drive is just success, right? Right. And it's it's great to see someone, especially during this era, be like this is dumb but it'll make me money so yeah sure <laughs> very true uh inside the hall they are walking to class brian and the other students kelly and mullins are waiting outside the class they ask if class is canceled Catherine reads the note on the door barack requesting to see them brian also mentions that barack wants them to cancel their weekend plans as well that sucks yeah. kelly adds that two of bio two of biochemistry's um finest are coming with them mullins including someone to also translate latin Catherine asks where are they talking uh where are they talking about walter is upset yelling that he had plans this weekend and he's gonna have to pull some strings to get out of it kelly follows him shouting that the, that the time for him to meet with barack also commenting that she has to ditch um, Pagels again, and he's not going to uh, like that. Mullins follows her, telling her to sleep with him or something to get an A. Weird. Yeah. Problematic. Very strange. <laughs> Very odd. Brian and Catherine are alone. He asks her uh, what her plans were. She chuckles that she was going to study, and he agrees that he was also going to do the same. Introducing himself, she claims that she knows who he is. While she introduces herself, he flirtatiously comments that, I know. they were walking across the campus getting to know each other a bit more she asks where he transferred from he um tells her um neil or nail i don't know for theoretical physics i was like damn bro you smart smart he came to study with barack he asked if she is a if she is an applied physics major he uh curious why she's taking barack's course she 
nods she nods her head explaining that she wants to know uh what the math means brian jokes that barack wants philosophers not scientists Catherine compliments barack on being brilliant and that she's read his books they sit down continuing their conversation Catherine explaining that they th- that when she visualizes it she begins to start seeing classical reality again he explains that some things aren't changed by quantum physics giving an example that every theoretical physicist he knows wonders why someone like her doesn't settle down on their end of the building she's offended commenting that that's not true and sexist he agrees that he's both sexist and proud yeah it's like read the room yeah that wasn't a good joke (laughs) definitely wasn't a good joke she's silent he tells her that he was joking asking her what happened she comments that she's um a bit miscue and that it isn't his fault about to leave brian stops her stops excuse me brian stops her asking her if they uh, can start over Catherine agrees he asks her um out to dinner and um to help her with her physics with a smile she agrees it's like damn is that easy huh yeah it seemed like it (laughs) (laughs) damn okay okay cut to class sitting um sitting in barack's office uh, or cut to the class sitting in barack's office and this was the thing that always has perturbed me about these types of movies where it's just like why aren't you telling these people what the fuck they're gonna yes wholeheartedly agree yeah i would never agree to anything if someone's withholding information like tell me and I was I was down with Walter like yo enjoy your weekend. It's probably not on the syllabus to be <laughs> in class on the weekend. You're good. Yeah. Like yeah, like come on, man. That like that that whole aspect of taking the weekend away or whatever like was so interesting to me because I would have loved for Walter to be like so are we being graded on this? Yeah. No? Okay, cool. Y'all enjoy. Like Exactly. Well, I do appreciate that Barack later on in a conversation does basically tempt them with like a high grade overall right. in the class if they were to do this. So there is temptation there. Yeah. There's enti- uh, there, there's a reason to entice them to go. Right. But all of them, he needs all of them. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, and from a story writing standpoint, I do. It agree. makes it sense sh- for the movie plot. Yeah. Yeah. It should have been sm- a smaller amount. Like he should have picked his top students in the class or right. something versus everyone. Like, it's a field trip that of way too many people. <laughs> Miss Frizzle, he shares that he <laughs> volunteered their uh, services to the archdiocese, complimenting them on their um, competence with their physics. He adds that participating participating will greatly improve the classroom averages. He continues to share that they plan to to have their meals there, and he will bring cots. Concluding that there are other departments joining them, Brian cuts cuts him off, asking him um, for. The, asking him if there is some reason that he's not telling them um, what they will be doing. Barack simply says, end time. <laughs> no, dude, tell me now. I, I agree. There's no reason to withhold it. Right. Yeah. The time is now like, I feel like the only reason why he withheld it was because it was such a far-fetched thing that they're doing. Yeah, but if you're going to just grab your students in your class. Right. Like, yeah. what's, what? I mean, you're not this going is in there. <laughs> exactly. You're not going in there with the expectation that you guys aren't coming back. Right, you know, so like that's that's where I don't know. It, it's interesting. If you're gonna tell them eventually, might as well tell them now. Yeah, I mean, wh- I don't understand what you're withholding, and it's interesting because he even still continued withholding when they were there, which is very odd. Very, I, I I don't understand what what. How do you even know what to do if you don't know what you're doing? Right, but 
Okay. I guess you just do it. (laughs) (laughs) Brax stands in front of the church for a moment before heading inside. He stops when he notices a homeless lady raising her hands toward the sky and bowing. That's really cool. This is great. Yeah. This is fantastic. And I love when we get the closer look and it's like ants and shit crawling on her face. Yeah. This this is amazing right here. Like this is a great creepy moment and now we're starting to see a little bit more of the creep factor and yeah. we're just like okay i see the horror elements now the priest um who i'm now going to just refer to as father loomis because it's donald presence from fucking halloween <laughs> and he's casted as just the priest yeah but I, I, i'm gonna call him father loomis because he's detective loomis or <laughs> the cop loomis in halloween so whatever Enthusiastically explains to Barak that it is, it is his disbelief that powers him, claiming that it allows his deception, and that he lives in the smallest parts of the atoms. He takes a seat, continuing speaking that he lives he lives in all of it, and that they need to translate the book. He wants Barak to prove it scientifically, wanting him to convince the outside world. Barak rebuttals that the outside world doesn't want to hear this kind of bullshit, telling him to, uh, to keep it locked away since they've managed to do so for 2,000 years. Father Loomis con- comments that um, no prison can hold him now. Brian is waiting outside for Catherine as she comes out of the building. She greets him with a smile as she, um, and we're back at school, by the way, everybody. As he proceeds to try and be sly by talking about how chilly it is, he tells her um, that he was at the library hoping that she will have another cup of coffee with him. She agrees, calling it uh, a reoccurrence. It's like, it's like, huh. seems to be the pattern. A cup of coffee, huh? Uh, <laughs> next day, Catherine and Brian are in bed together. Hell of a cup of coffee. (laughs) He gets up first, carefully getting out of bed, trying not to wake her. He goes outside with his sweater unzipped, exposing that insanely and surprisingly (laughs) chiseled body. Wow. Surprisingly hairless. Yes. I'm telling you, man. This guy is a porn star. (laughs) (laughs) It was so surprising. Yeah, honestly, I have to agree. (laughs) I did not expect that. I was like, where the fuck did this come from? (laughs) Like, geez, good for you. Yes, good (laughs) Good for you. you. You Look out. Yes. Um. Wow. But uh, very interesting here. I want everyone to keep in their mind this this moment. They're meeting together. It's Friday. They're now officially going to do their assignment at this church. So keep that in mind. He places his hand in, uh, in front of the horizon, looking at the sun sitting right up below the moon. He heads back inside, offering Catherine a cup of coffee. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> she smiles, commenting that they, don't, they didn't get much sleep. He starts seductively kissing, kissing her, commenting about who needs sleep. She gets serious, saying that they do, since it's Friday. He asks if um, he could tell her something. She doesn't want him to, but he wants to. She asks for him um, to tell her next time if there is one. Brian asks who is the man who gave her such high opinion of men. Catherine sighs that she uh, wouldn't like it e- um, either. Um, excuse me. She wouldn't like it if either of them jumped to conclusions. He questions her on how she knows um, what he's going to say. This was a weird way he said that he was like how do you know i'm going to say what i think i'm going to say it was something like that yeah yeah she doesn't want to, she doesn't want she doesn't want to know um they go back to kissing okay <sighs> cut to an alley full of homeless folk looking up at the sky i don't like how they considered the homeless people they all considered them schizophrenic yeah I'm just like how like i i think this that comes up later on right it does yeah it does come up later on 
Um, and granted, this movie is 1987. Um, let's see who was in office in 1987. Mm. Um, I think later on they're trying to conclude why they're just hanging out and staring, but then like they determine that it's not that. Right. Uh, and as these are students and as what they're studying, I think they're their methodology of thinking is to go down things logically and right. to determine like something. So yeah. I think that's what was trying to be. Um, but we even betrayed. get like Alice, Alice Cooper's character. Yeah. I think his was just oh. like street schizo, right? Yeah. Then that's, that's fucked. Yeah. So like, but the reason why I said um, 1987, I mean, Ronald Reagan was yeah. president during mm-hmm. this time. And during that time, um, he closed most mental facilities. Yes. So it makes sense to kind of put something like this in a movie during this time. That does make a lot more sense when you put that context out there. Yeah. One of them watches the students pull up to uh, to church to the church in the in their van. Catherine and a group of other women all proceed to get out of the van. They notice they notice that the group of homeless people are staring at them from across the street. They shrug it off. They just head inside. And they're like, hmm, okay, yeah. that's weird. Yeah. I mean, like, what do you do in that situation? You're just like, if someone was looking at me just across the street i think i would also just keep going yeah honestly <laughs> meanwhile the men are setting things up and gathering their things outside of a u-haul the uh the women Catherine, kelly susan and lisa walk into their room kelly upset about where they are staying lisa commenting that it gives her the creeps while they while they mentioned that it was abandoned susan heard it heard that it uh used to be a beautiful church in the 1950s her husband's parents used to used to come there and for some reason it was closed down Excuse me. I love that context. Me too. And that's what I kind of mentioned earlier. Like there's just normal like hall rooms in the church and you could have parties in there. But at the same time, like Satan is just two floors (laughs) down in the basement. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And no one knew. Liquid Satan is in the basement. It's just like no one knew about this. Cut to Dr. Paul uh, Leahy. Walking up the stairs of, of the church, he introduces himself to uh, to a quick moving Brian, asking for Barack. Brian shakes his hand and points him in the direction where Barack is. He goes inside the uh, inside the nave, um, passing up all the equipment to make it to, uh, to Barack. Um, and by the way, folks, for folks who I don't know don't really go to a Catholic church or something, the nave is the church. That is just the middle of the church. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, I had the biggest problem with Doctor Leahy. What? Was- why are you there? Yeah. Why did why does his character exist? It was very odd to have him. With a few characters I felt that way. Yeah, like Lomax. Lomax is who? Lomax was he came with Leahy, I think. Oh yeah. It was it was Lomax, Frank, and um Etchinson. Yeah, like wh- why? I think they were supposed to be the biochemists. Okay. But they didn't do much. Yeah. <laughs> they just like made sure the equipment kept running. Too many people here. Yeah. Too many people. Too many cooks. Leahy introduces himself to Barack. They shake hands. Barack is elated to see him. Leahy not sure as to why he's even there. <laughs> yeah, us either, <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> us too, my dude. Uh, Barack mentions that they're they're just getting organized and to find a spot pointing that they are making the, um, that area the central lab. He asks Barack... Um, he asked Barack, what are they do- actually doing there? But Barack um, already walked away. <laughs> <laughs> Two men, Frank and Etchison, head uh, into the into the back of the tabernacle. Frank tells um, Etchison that he's the only one smart enough to get out of there, there tonight. I flexed all my 
Catholicism muscles up for this one. Oh, really? I'm, yeah, dude. I was just, like trying to remember all these damn names. I was like, all right, the back of the pew is what again? Like, damn. <laughs> Edgerson um, shares that he has to cover for uh, Leahy over the weekend for extra credits uh, seminar. He's in awe with the space. Susan is about to leave, flirtatiously greeting Frank. That was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, she's married. Yeah. <laughs> we find that out later. He flirts back, telling her to, um, uh, not to leave. She introduces herself to Etchison before leaving out. Etchison, intrigued, asks who is that. Um, Frank tells her, her tells him her name and that she's a radiologist who is married. I 100% love the ongoing joke with Susan, though. Who's who's Susan? <laughs> yeah. That cracked me up every time. <laughs> I love that ongoing joke. It's like, who's Susan? Radiologist? Glasses? Yeah. <laughs> really weird. Edgerson asks um um <laughs> Edgerson asks how how married before Leahy comes into the room, Frank answering quote unquote very as he moves out of the way. I was like wait. Are you married to Frank? Like, I can't, I, like, I was so confused by that. Yeah. Leakey tells Etchison that, that he'll be upstairs instructing him to uh, set up a basic panel down there. Etchison agrees, asking what, um, what is he, what is he supposed to be testing? Leakey tells him that he doesn't know. <laughs> Etchison asks for more depth, Leakey cutting him off that he will know when he finds out. All right, fair enough. Leahy introduces himself to Frank before leaving out. Catherine is setting up her computer station, Kelly asking her if she needs any help. She tells Kelly that she's fine. Walter goes up to Brian, upset that they um, that they are there since he had a, a date lined up. Brian is looking out of the window, joking about his date. Walter isn't amused, then looks out of the window. The homeless people um, are standing, standing outside, staring at, at them out through the window. Lomax tells them, tells them that they were they are watching them, and they have been since 9 a.m. Calder comes up to, uh, up the stairs, introducing himself um, and his line of work in microbiology. I do like the context of us knowing like what these people do mm -hmm. and like their reasons of being there. Yeah, but like Calder being a microbiologist. Okay, cool. Yeah, all right, great. Happy to have you. He still didn't do anything. He was like the muscle. Yeah, in this movie exactly. <laughs> Uh, they all introduce themselves. Frank asks um, if they know why they are there yet. None of them have any idea. Lisa cracks open the ancient book, sharing to Barack that she's getting her um, doctorate in theology. She claims that it shouldn't be too difficult to decipher, except for the numbers. She begins typing the translation on the computer, quote, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto this thing which shall be unleashed. End quote. Cut to Alice Cooper, the main hobo here, continuing um, his stare, but this this time at Father Loomis, getting out getting out of the limo. He looks over to his left, more homeless people neatly staring at him. I love how creepy they are. They're creepy. They are so creepy. Yeah. It's like this hands across America bullshit that they're yeah, doing. Yeah, totally. It's fucking weird. He looks up at the sky, spotting the pattern of the moon and the sun. About to walk inside the church, a homeless woman is standing now in front of him. She compliments She compliments um, that it is wonderful what he's doing by opening the church again, her voice becoming more deeper as she speaks. Yeah. This was fucking rad. Gnarly. I wish people would... Uh acknowledge it though the voices yeah like I no wanted one that did too. yeah yeah i wanted that i want him to at least be like freaked out like oh what yeah like he didn't get freaked out until he saw maggots in her yeah cup. totally she kneels down rubbing her face on his hand he's he's chilling he's like mm -hmm, yeah i deal with this shit all the time honestly i thought he was gonna be possessed or something from that moment mm. and i thought up until the end it would have been like 
It would have been the priests. I, <laughs> I love how the possession happens, though. It's very weird. Yeah. She kneels, um, rubbing her face. He notices um, her can full of maggots. He makes his he makes himself or he makes its, his way inside. Barak asking if he's okay. Without a word, Father Loomis just shakes his head. Um, that's enough for Barak, and he tells he tells him that they are ready. Everyone heads underground. They turn the lights on in the underground sanctuary, staring at the cylinder. Father Loomis comments that it is gaining strength, and he can feel it all around them. Meanwhile, Lisa continues translating the text. Quote, Mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and the, ab- the abominations of the earth. End quote. Catherine is working on her calculations and shit. I'm sure they mean something. <laughs> Before uh, she notices the window is covered with worms. Etchison is doing his work while Calder comes in and sits down. Frank waiting at the door. Etchison asks them what's going on. Calder nervously looks at him, mentioning that there is something downstairs. Etchison wonders what he's talking about. Frank commenting that it is bullshit before walking out. Walter and Kelly are downstairs, his gaze stuck on the cylinder container. She touches his shoulder before looking back at looking uh, back at it asking for the reason why nobody has opened it yet brian asks for a pen walter um asking if it's toxic brian thinks that it could be kelly not understanding why they aren't um taking direct samples from it he goes to the computer showing the equations that Catherine is adding upstairs and i was like okay 1980s i don't think this was possible yeah i was seeing the same thing but, okay like I'm with you. Yeah. This is possible now. <laughs> so I like I feel that <laughs> ahead of its time. They are translate they um they are translating um excuse me. They are translated from Latin. She wonders if they're uh, di- differential equations, but the book is was written 2000 years ago. Those equations weren't invented yet. They realize that they are dealing with something large. Kelly walking back, running into a piece of equipment before leaving. I love this. Mm-hmm. I love this is the context of Kelly getting the bruise. And that being intentional by the devil. Oh, I missed that. That's actually a really good call out. Because <laughs> she was chosen in that moment. Yeah. And that was amazing. Wow. That yeah. alone. Wow. That's incredible. Catherine grabs Mullins, showing him the window uh, covered in crawling worms. They're confused as the worms ascend up the window. Meanwhile, Lisa figures another a new translation. Quote, and the prince of darkness was himself sealed the old life called the devil and Satan which deceiveth the whole world, end quote. Barak is over his shoulder, them both surprised at what was translated. While he is, while he is walking away, Susan comes up to him, showing him a negative photo of the lid of the, lid of the cylinder, or at least I think that's what it was. She doesn't, she doesn't think they have to worry, explaining that it is elaborate, showing a strange locking mechanism that can only be opened from the inside. The homeless people continue gathering outside of the church, staring up at the sky. Cut to Leahy playfully gathering snacks before leaving the kitchen. Walter watching Tom and Jerry as he eats at the table i love the concepts of tom and jerry and how it's an episode of uh spike being the devil yeah and i remember he, that episode too i do too yeah uh, but how he falls into the liquid or the lava yeah so i thought that was great it's really smart there. i had to agree walter had enough turning turning the tv off of telling kelly that he's going he's going back she calls him over to look at, out the window he looks out spotting a group of homeless people as kelly mentions that her friend studied chronic schizophrenics in ucla this is where we kind of get that context here continuing that they are supposed to have routines that they repeat every 20 minutes or so she has been watching them all day claiming that they've just been standing there and i'm like how do you know they're schizophrenic 
I think you're totally right with the the year this film came out and what was going on. I think that's what it's supposed to signify. And I, yeah, I think it's playing with people's fears. Right. Yeah. He doesn't make uh, make much of it, allowing them to stand there if they want, if they want, if they have that illness. They their attention is turned to a bruise that is on Kelly's arm. Love that. She mentions that she bumped into something this afternoon and it is just and it is starting to hurt. He blames it on her nerves. She educates him <laughs> that you don't you don't bruise from nerves. He gives an example of him breaking out uh, when he was twelve. The doctor blaming it on homosexual panic. Once again, his jokes are very odd. <laughs> yeah, they are. Uh, Leahy goes into the ta- tabernacle, Etchison leaving out, commenting that he will see him Monday. He asks Etchison if he has anything for him, but he doesn't. Uh, they are quickly t- talking about science data shit. I just, I lost track at this point in time. I was like, I can't keep up with the <laughs> shit that they're even talking about. Before Leahy allow- allows him to leave. While Etchison is leaving, he uh, notices a pigeon crucified to a cross. Gnarly. This looks awesome. Yeah. Oh my it God. It has a lot of impact too. It really does. Yeah. Like, it was such a great omen. Yeah. Such a great omen. He gets a closer look at the bird. His attention turned to um, to glass clattering in the alley. The main homeless man comes out of the shadows, approaching Etchison with a broken uh, bike frame. Etchison is about to walk up the stairs, but a group of homeless people are blocking his path. He tries to walk past the homeless man, but uh, with the bike frame, he stabs Etchison with it, piercing through his stomach. I love this death scene, though. Do you really? I do, actually. I think it has a lot of unfulfilled potential. Really? Because I need more of a struggle here. Fair enough. Because he kind of let it happen. He did, and I think that's why I like it. Really? Yeah, because I, I feel like Etchison wouldn't have the gusto to do anything. I, see, I try to contextualize that in my head as well and gave that reasoning. Right. Um, I love the the kill and how he kind of just sits there on the bike. I think that's what I like. Upright. I like his yeah. display. <laughs> yeah. I have to agree. I do like that a lot. Yeah. Like, I wanted to I see more of a struggle. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Like a, a, at least a wrestle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cut to Bar- uh, Barack walking up the stairs inside the church. Brian asks to speak with him. He shares that nothing is supposed to be able to do uh, what this thing is doing. Barack tells him to settle down and go back to work. Brian sternly tells him that, uh, that a life form is growing out of a prebiotic a prebiotic fluid, commenting that it is self-organizing. He asks Barack what is it becoming. Barack chuckles that the hardest thing to hear is something that they don't agree with. He hands Brian a paper um, that reads, quote, I saw the star fall from heaven unto a bottomless pit, and he cast out as water from the, fl- from the flood, end quote. He looks back at Barack, calling it crazy. This is when they now officially realize that, like, holy shit, they're all talking about this being the devil. Yeah. And I think that is great context. I, I have to agree. Meanwhile, Susan is downstairs staring at the cylinder. It's swirling as it takes a message from our sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. I love this scene that's about to happen right here. <laughs> <laughs> Mullins is working downstairs. He comes up um, uh, to her asking if she 
um, has saw it already. She shakes her head, sharing that she has been um, carbon dating the corrosion of the lid for the last four hours. She dates it back seven million years ago. That's insane. Holy fuck. How do you even do that? I don't know. Carbon data. Carbon data. Wow. It sounds cool. It does. Sounds cool. Also sounds kind of boring, though. (laughs) (laughs) Mullins is confused, so so is she. He comments that that he's going back upstairs. She tells him um, to go on while she... While he is, was uh, willing to wait for her, she continues gazing at the cylinder, the liquid from the cylinder dripping upward. I love those shots. Oh, my God. Lisa is speaking with Barack, Father Loomis, and a few others about a section of the book, referring to it being a kind of history and part of it being um, indecipherable as as if someone deliberately tried to erase it. She managed to piece together most of it. She... Uh, she begins reading as m- as more people enter the room. Quote, the container was buried somewhere in the Middle East eons ago by the father of Satan, a god who once walked the earth before man, but was somehow banished to the dark side. End quote. She continues that apparently the father buried his son inside the container. So there we go for a little bit of context there. This is the son of Satan inside the container, swirling around. Oh, so I had thought that inside the container was Satan and the entity stuck in the dark world or the dark side is the father of Satan. And I was like, that's a, that's a creature we yeah, have never heard about. Exactly. So either which, way though, it's like, which I, get, I think the father of Satan is God, right? Yeah. That's what I thought. <laughs> but like, it's basically, well, they kind of go into it later, like right. an anti-God, right? Or I don't yeah. know if they're talking about what's in the, the container, but because it's uh, the Antichrist. Yeah. Either way, it's it's really cool because it's 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 you're not dealing with Satan in either context or like, right. It, it's it's just cool. It's cool if it's either the son of Satan or the father of Satan. Right. Yeah. yeah. Very true. She mentions that this was the section that someone was trying to erase. Lisa continues. Quote: Christ comes to warn us. He was ex- uh, he was of extra extraterrestrial ancestry, but a but a human like race. End quote. Susan moves closer to the container, in awe by the swirling liquid. A table moves across the floor, startling her, the liquid moving a bit more violently now. She notices that the liquid is leaking upward. When she looks up, a pool of green liquid above her head. She's confused as she stares, the liquid shooting into her mouth as she tries to scream, gagging, coughing, and spitting. She tries gaining her composure as she groans in pain from its possessing force. Very well written. What I wrote? Yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's such an intense scene, and yeah. I love this scene so much. I saw it coming because she was, as she looked confused and walking forward, I was like, girl, close your mouth. Yes. Because <laughs> yes. something's going to get, gonna in, get there. in there. <laughs> Back with Lisa um, concluding that they deemed Christ to be crazy. Um, but he also gained power and converted a lot of people to his beliefs, so they killed him. This is fucking yes. awesome. I love all of this. Oh, my God. This is great. How you're treating Catholicism yes, yes. as a cult. I, <laughs> yes, wholeheartedly. Like they, they tackle it, and they try to dismantle it right there. And so incredible. It's so cool because it creates this like secret lore that like no one knows about. Right. And it's like now is the time that we have to let people know. But it also makes sense as why the Brotherhood of Sleep keeps this away from the Vatican. Mm-hmm. Because of them be- pretty much getting this truth of them being a cult. Yeah. And how they started from 
an alien. Yeah, I was going to bring that up, <laughs> that they explained Jesus to be an extraterrestrial human-like being. Right. Man, that's insane. It's so interesting. Yeah. Now, this stuff I was all munching me on. Me too. And <laughs> that's why I want give another hour, hour and a right. half, add some out. exposition. Yeah, exactly. Flush this out. Let, 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 give it to me. Yeah. Probably not an hour and a half. It'll be a three-hour long movie, but... It could it, it, it could be a really this great movie. This can be a lot longer, yeah. though. I, I feel you on that. She continues that his disciples keep the secret and hide it from uh, civilization until man could develop a science sophisticated enough to prove Christ. Leahy asks, how did the, the Catholic Church manage to keep this a secret for 2,000 years? Father Loomis steps in, telling them that the decision was made um, to characterize pure evil as a spiritual force. Interesting. E um, even within the darkness of hearts and man, he adds that being more convenient, uh, that being more convenient, that that way man rem remained at the center of all things. He calls it a stupid lie, and they were they were salesmen, selling their product to those who didn't have it, the new life rewarding themselves and punish their enemies so that they, they can live without truth. A malevolent um, substance being the truth asleep until now. So amazing. Yeah. So I want to ask earlier, yeah. there was, it was one of two scenarios. It was either that, uh, so in the, okay, first, I guess I have to ask this in the tube downstairs. Is it Satan or the son of Satan? Son of Satan. Son of Satan. Okay. So it seems like the son of Satan receives power from either a your disbelief in satan or your be your belief in satan it's the disbelief correct it's disbelief yeah, yeah so because father lomas mentions that your disbelief is what drives it exactly yeah. so and that is why they uh bring up catholicism christianity all that because when you teach you have the teachings of god you have to teach about the devil as well and right. so and creating it as an evil force right he will always be recognized right so it's it's really intelligent if you e think about like extremely. how how is all methodically planned out right and it's so interesting that um how he even puts it where it's just like evil was sold to us as a spiritual force yeah rather it is tangible mm -hmm. and people need to now know that it's tangible it's physically here and i guess it's because you know through time less and less people are going to church or being religious right. and so on and it, yeah. it's speaking on that it's like not many people not enough people believe in god and the devil right to keep the devil at bay exactly that's really right. cool poor susan is still gagging gagging and gasping <laughs> downstairs and shit barack asks for brian to help him uh, help him break this up and the others shouldn't hear this brian dramatically comments that the faith is hard to com come by these days having him look at a graph the cylinder um the cylinder releases a, di a directed burst of energy he adds that it was in a straight it was in a straight line with the precision of less than a millisecond walter comes up to them mentioning that everyone is acting like they should uh be taking this seriously he asked if they are if they are taking it seriously they don't answer him <laughs> they just walk away <laughs> cut to susan calmly rising up um gazing at the container Catherine asks kelly what what are they supposed to do kelly asks her um what would she rather have naming off artifacts shit something <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Catherine comments um that it is old that it is old scratch knocking at the door never heard that as uh, a reference for the devil before but i haven't either it is um back with brian speaking about the graph and there be and there being a vibration as as 
a vibration was triggered in the metal. He adds that some, some kind of kinetic material came out of it, knowing that it can transmit energy strong enough. Barak cuts him off, completing that it may move, it, um, it can move other objects simultaneously. Um, instantaneously across a distance. He calls it psychic kinesis. He instructs Brian not to tell the others yet. He doesn't understand why, commenting that they have a right to know that it is conscious. Barak tells him to prove to uh, prove that it was something else first, either a power surge or a draft of air. Walter is walking down the, down the hall eating an apple. Susan um, appears at the end of the hall. He stops sharing briefly what was said in the room. She is quiet and still, watching him from down the hall. He goes inside the inside a room. Lisa looking out of the window as he goes into the into a cooler to get a beer. Cracking it open, he offers he offers her one, but she doesn't answer him, making a joke about her passing for Asian. What? It was. I'm glad you're having the same reaction I did <laughs> because I was I was like, what am I not getting here? Yeah, and she's like scoffs and she's like, what the fuck? Yeah, it was weird. I was like, I would have been like you you too. <laughs> she she's had enough and leaves. Well, and I don't think she has one conversation with. Him. Yeah, no. Mullins comes comes into the room asking what um asking him what happened. Walter blames her for uh, not having a sense of humor. Mullins asks him uh, if sh- if he's seen Susan. Walter mentions that she's right outside. Mullins uh, Mullins leaves to see where she where she is, but she doesn't. But he doesn't see anyone. Walter comes out and sees that um that she is no longer there. And that joke in that moment continues where he's like, who? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Mullins wants, uh, wants to tell her what's what's going on. Walter thinks um, that all of this is bullshit. Mullins doesn't, doesn't respond and goes to look for Susan instead. He heads downstairs. Susan's uh, standing in the middle of the hallway. He calls out to her and she walks away. Meanwhile, Brian is sharing his findings with Catherine. He checks the door before telling her that it is controlled force of power that is directed out. She asks, "What is uh, what is it doing?" He answers that it is, it is reaching out, influencing, changing things, and moving objects by thought, calling it an intelligent um, cause other than man. Cut cut back to Mullins inside the container room, calling for Susan. She's nowhere to be found. He moves closer toward the container, picking up her glasses from the ground. One of the machines starts rapidly beeping. He's confused while checking it, Susan appearing behind him. She slowly turns his head. He slowly turns his head, Susan breaking his neck. I do like the fact that they turn into zombies pretty much. Yeah, it's really I mean, I thought of zombies as well and I I was I wondered if it was fitting for this movie. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I My- like it cuz I like that that they come back um and they're they're just like these beings yeah that's where i think i had a problem because i think they're puppets me, i guess with me there was nothing to be afraid of in this film because mm-hmm. later on we see you could just fight them as they're normal people right <laughs> so yeah. i'm wondering why that didn't happen the whole time i think if there was some visual effect I mean, calder was lightweight scary though <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna lie calder kind of creeped me the fuck out and that's what i was saying like he was he was scary but for for what what was the context of him being creepy like that just to be creepy i think so right like if if everyone had similar features like that or maybe some like visual imperities that made them look spooky right because because susan looked paler later on right lisa just was like monotonically looking at other shit (laughs) but it it felt like it felt like a a confusing a Fusion of birth of some kind, like like a rebirthing yeah. or something. If we got what happened to Kelly, but maybe on a lighter scale. Yeah. For Frank had the else. best one. 
Frank had the best possession. Frank was who again? He was outside. Oh yeah, like stuff like that. Yeah. Right? That this yeah, I agree. Awesome. Frank, yeah. <laughs> but it's like why only there and not for everyone else? That's fair. Right? And I think that might have been a budget thing. Yeah. Because there was moments where like, for example, when Calder fucking slices his throat mm-hmm. and there's like no blood. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, I was I was like, did he did he do it? <laughs> like and then he just had that little thing around his neck that like only yeah. covered like a little bit of blood. Like <laughs> you could just put a band-aid on this guy. <laughs> Barakas speaking with Father Lewis about his faith possibly um being correct, supposing that there is a universal mind controlling everything, a God willing the behavior of every subatomic particle. But every particle has an antiparticle. The and maybe this universal mind resides in the mirror image instead of their universe as they w- want it to believe. And there we go. That's the only time we get this mirror image yeah talk thinking that it might be an anti-god bringing darkness instead of light father loomis wonders why they weren't told the truth barack chuckles up uh, uh without the without the tech to confirm it would have been another legend father loomis gets upset shouting that um that he was their prisoner not his i didn't understand why he got so mad in this moment but whatever Mentioning that they had a responsibility to warn the world, but only the corrupt are lis- are listened to now. Them telling people that they want, um, telling people what they want to hear, and they be- and what they believe it to be divine light. He mentions that it um it has gotten colder in there, as if something moved through the room. Frank Calder and Lomax are outside arguing about them being um, on the brink of the ultimate truth. Frank isn't accepting it, calling the priest crazy, and him wondering about Barack as well. Lomax tells him tells them um, that he's coming back, calling on Calder to come back with him. Frank calls it a joke, thinking that they are out of their minds. They continue upstairs, Calder calling him to come back inside as well. He waits outside for a moment, looking behind the, behind his back... Um, Looking behind his back, the group of homeless people standing side by side with each other. Susan comes out of the door, looking at him with wide eyes. Beetles all over his hand, all, all over her hands. When Frank looks down, they are crawling over him. He freaks out, trying to crush them. Why not just walk away? Yeah, I thought the same thing. He, a homeless woman comes rushing over to him Very with slowly. a sharp, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> with a sharp broken shear, stabbing him repeatedly as Susan watches from the steps above pretty gnarly yeah she stabs him a lot yeah she did a lot and it he was like "Ah, uh, 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 uh." (laughs) did not (laughs) fight back (laughs) (laughs) it reminded me of dragon ball z (laughs) (laughs) taking hits (laughs) (laughs) i was like what (laughs) this is so dramatic why is he still standing Catherine is looking at her calculations on the screen, her attention being directed uh, to something else. Lisa goes back to translating the book. She types, quote, Be you not deceived of his purpose, for one will be chosen, end quote. She looks at, the, at an object in the book, and uh, it is about to start uh, and is about to start typing again, but hears a rattling sound. She calls out, she calls out to the sound, past, um, past her door, no answer. Leahy, Calder, and Lomax are getting to work. Leahy asks for uh, where Frank is. They mention that he left about 20 minutes ago. Lomax adding that um, they tried to talk him out of it. Le- uh, Leahy asks if anyone has seen Susan. They don't remember who that is. He <laughs> shares her <laughs> occupation and features. Brian shakes his head. Leahy's th- uh, thinking that she possibly left as, as well. Lomax scoffing that they might have the right idea. 
Cut to the homeless woman looking over Frank's dead body and severed hand. Interesting. I would have loved blood. Yeah. In this moment, but it's fine. Also wondering like why I go through the trouble of cutting off his hand and all that. <laughs> well, I think it was a lot more than just the cutting of the hands. I think she completely dismembered him. Got it. Yeah. But I think that's just all we saw. Yeah. Walter is having trouble sleeping. A man's distorted voice speaks that this is not a dream while rec- while recorded footage of the church plays. The man continues speaking, quote, we are, unab- we are unable to transmit through conscious neural interference. You are receiving this broadcast as a dream. We are transmitting, th- we are transmitting from the year 19, end quote. While the man is talking, um, there is a dark figure in the doorway. Walter gasps awake, startled by Brian grabbing his shoulder, asking if he's seen Mullins. He tells Brian no. Um, Brian asks uh, about Susan. Walter continues the ongoing gag that he doesn't know who that is. <laughs> Brian explains. Walter gets irritated that he was uh, he was asleep, but Brian continues that they can't find can't find them, and Frank left. He shares that a couple of others are talking about leaving, are talking about leaving, and they're going to have a meeting about about it soon. Walter asks if Mullins left, but Brian doesn't know, and he's going to uh, go back downstairs. Um, Walter gets up to help. Lisa continues deciphering the book. A thud from outside the nursery catches her attention. She goes over to check it out. Walter and Brian are walking down the hall. He jokes to Lisa about him not coming back. Um, then she can't. Then she uh, can have his Porsche. She rolls her eyes and she and goes back to the computer, but um, she shuts it off. Their chemistry is so odd. Like it kind of feels like he's trying to flirt. Yeah. But she's just like, dude, you're a douche. <laughs> like, like, stop talking to me. I had to agree. <laughs> she goes into the room to uh, rest on the cot. While she is lying down, Susan appears from behind the door. Uh, she slowly closes it. I do like this, and you can definitely tell, like, this is the same effect of how he utilized for Halloween for the shape. Mm-hmm. Like, the same thing for, like, Michael Myers. Like, yeah. And I, I love that. Like, he, he plays with darkness so incredibly well yeah, in his I films. I have to agree there. Cut to the dream uh, um, and the distorted voice speaking about the reason why they are receiving their tr- this transmission. The figure standing in the doorway spreads its arms open. Barack is startled awake at, at his desk. Father Loomis sitting across from him. He asked Barack, what was he dreaming about? I would have asked him back, like, why are you here? <laughs> like, watching me sleep. Fucking weirdo. Why didn't yeah. you, like, did I fall asleep while we were talking? Like, <laughs> Dude, yeah, I thought the exact same thing. <laughs> Wake me up. Like, what's wrong with you? Barack doesn't tell him um claiming that it is his that his mind is his and he can abuse it any way that he chooses he chooses to without confessing what um what's inside father loomis mentions something ab- uh, about the brotherhood of sleep any any um anyone who in close proximity has the same dream claiming it is the one that he just had back with lisa opening her eyes when she feels um her bed creak susan slowly moves on top of her lisa is about to excuse her susan sh- um shooting the liquid substance from her mouth into lisa's hmm. and it's interesting because like she makes it seem like she's about to kiss her. Yeah. And then she's like, (laughs) I think that was straight up for the audience. Oh, for sure. Yeah. She gags and coughs as Lisa stares at her, um, with her mouth open and dripping with spit. I do like this shot. 
Yeah, it's I a good like, shot. I like that shot a lot. Father Loomis shares that the Guardian Priest had the dream for years. Barak asks, what does it mean? He tells Barak that it is a premonition. The dream evolving and, and um, unfolds. They'll start having it every time they go to sleep. This piques Barak's interest. Father Loomis continues as if it's pushing everything else out, making room for itself. Meanwhile, Brian and Walter go downstairs calling for Mullins. Walter doesn't um, believe that Mullins actually took off believing in uh, believing in this, calling it nonsense. Brian walks off. Walter, uh, wondering why everyone looks at him the, um, that way. Brian, reasoning that he's being an asshole-ish. <laughs> <laughs> Walter tries to convince convince him that Mullins is either um, sleep or having sex. Um, and I, he called it something else. Like, it was like a slang word for sex, but that I've never heard of before. Yeah, I don't think I even caught I'm that. I'm just like, I'm obviously too young for this shit. <laughs> Uh, Brian is irritated um, as he walks out of the room past Walter, Mullen's dead body on the ground next to the cylinder, the water um, uh, on the ceiling dripping, or not even know it's water, liquid, um, on the ceiling dripping into his mouth. Catherine is still is still working. I would have loved for it to not shoot out, and I would have loved for it to just be like drops. Like maybe yeah. like a drop on someone's eye. Yeah. That's how they become possessed, like something like that. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like the, but I get it. Because like they want they want us to know that this is a being. Yeah. This has actual conscious. Mm-hmm. So Catherine is still working. Kelly um coming into the room asking her um how can she how can she keep working, sharing that the time is being three thirty. Shout out to the witching hour. Yeah, I thought the same thing. <laughs> Catherine mentions that she ke- she keeps getting these figures in equations that aren't making sense. She comments that they um are like another language. Kelly groans from being tired. Catherine tells her um, to get some sleep and she'll wake her in a half hour. Kelly begs for 45 minutes. Catherine <laughs> agrees. She asks Kelly if she's okay. Kelly says no. <laughs> Catherine <laughs> understanding what she means. Wanting to go home and pretend that none of this is happening. Kelly sighs. Catherine noticing her bruise. She goes up to to, uh, she goes up to her asking what what that is Kelly brushing it off as just being a bruise she lifts Kelly's shirt it looking like an upside down cross imprinted on her arm Kelly tells her um, that it finally stopped hurting as Catherine notices that it looks like a figure Kelly tells her that um, she needs to close her eyes Catherine acknowledges and allows her to go Kelly is walking down the hall, noticing the door to their room closed. She knocks on it first, warning them that she's about to open the door if they um, want to put their clothes back on. No answer. She opens the door, about to lie down on the cot. Calder tells her that there's a meeting in the lab. She asks for 15 minutes. He um, asks if she, if uh, he should come back. She tells him later, um, and he's and he's con- continuing along, running into Walter and Brian. He asks... He asks them if they had any luck, but they can't find anyone. Walter mentions that he's going to, he's going up to the lab. Caller turns around to, um, toward the nursery, telling Lisa they're heading to the lab as well. She is mindlessly typing away on her computer with a blank stare on her face, looking at the wall. <laughs> he tries to get her attention, but she continues to, um, having the blank stare. Carter realizes that something is wrong with her, so he approaches her. He notices th- um, that she is typing the same thing over and over again. Quote, unquote, I live. She begins typing something else. Quote, you will not be saved by the Holy Ghost. Um, you will not be saved by the uh, by the God Plutonium. In fact, you will not be saved. This I like was, this. It's awesome. Good horror elements, but uh, I try to contextualize that she's in a transition of being possessed. Right. Because she, you know, there's this is the only moment that she'll act like this. Right. Um, 
I agree. Yeah. I, I feel like this is definitely like a transition, and and I feel like we're seeing how this affects people who are alive and get possessed versus people who are dead and get possessed. Mm, yeah. So, because when they like kind of wake up, it, it's like a frantic state. Mm-hmm. Um, like when uh, Leahy wakes up, for yeah. example. The door behind him closes by Susan. She approaches him, Lisa getting up and grabbing him. Cut to Lomax, Leahy, and Walter sitting at the table on the lap, Leahy commenting that this um, that this whole building is going to have to be encased in concrete. Walter continuing the joke to launch it launch the building in space. Lomax stops them because he's um, hearing something. The computer starts beeping rapidly. Meanwhile, Calder is on the ground as Lisa and, and Susan hover over him. Susan asks Susan acts like she's going to kiss him, but slurps something out of him instead <laughs> as he muffles his gasp. This was interesting. Yeah. It's like, what are you slurping? Yeah. <laughs> Barack and Father Lube is uh, coming to the lab asking where where the others are. Brian thinks they left. Catherine comments that um that Kelly is asleep and she didn't want to wake up. Barack asks uh, ask them to stay. I'm like, fuck you, Barack. I'm not <laughs> staying here anymore. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> um, uh, telling them that they ha- that the work that they do in the next 48 hours is critical. Father Loomis um, asks how many of them have fallen asleep. Lomax and Walter raise their hand. Father Loomis um, knows that they that they dr- they dreamt about the front of the church, seeing a dark figure um, coming coming out of it, asking if they felt it, commenting that it isn't like a dream, but like something else. Barack hands Brian a paper, telling, telling them that he had the dream as well, explaining that it was like an image that didn't belong in his subconscious, almost as if it, he was watching something pre-recorded. Brian questions, um, I think he calls it tachyons? Talcyons? That sounds right. I'm not sure. Talcyons? I think that's I think that's it. Um, Barack thinking um, there to be one possibility. Lomax asks what that is. Brian says um, that is it is a Greek word that means swift one. Barack um, questions what the dream is. Walter wonders if it is caused by the container. Brian educates that Tassian is a subatomic particle that travels faster than light. Father Loomis supposes that it is in a dream, rather a message. Barack wonders if the dream dreams are visual messages sent by other human beings. Lomax asks from where. Catherine answering with the future. Mentioning that anything um, traveling faster than the speed of light would appear to be going backward in time. We learn this in Event Horizon. <laughs> <laughs> Barack or Brian um, adds that a future scientist calculates the exact spot if, um, that the Earth occupied in space in the past. The scientist beaming a Tassion signal at that spot, transmitting video information backwards through time. She continues that it um, that it is for them to receive electrical impulses. Leahy doesn't understand the purpose. Um, you know what? I think this was a, an experiment that Hawkins tried, and mm. I, I I think he like hosted a party that was in the past. Oh, that he tried to and he sent the invitation, um, like years later or something like that for a party that happened in the past. To see if any time travelers would show up. That's so intriguing. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, super yeah. interesting. No one came. <laughs> Brian, <laughs> Brian thinking that, uh, that it could be a warning to show them what's going what's going to happen so they can change it. He continues that someone has uh, fallen 
has has finally shown up to, to tell them and he feels it is time for them to stand up for what they are. The computer he's um, leaning on buzzes out. They all spring into action to try and figure out what's going on to, um, with the equipment. This is the only time I see them work. Yeah. <laughs> Father Loomis clutches his Bible as he watches them. Lisa and Susan are wheeling the container out of out from downstairs. Catherine goes up to the window hearing the distorted voice of a man saying hello. She sees Frank calling to him standing in the parking lot. He says hello again. She uh she calls over she calls over to the others to come to the window and looks in and look at this. They all pile in. Frank's saying that he uh has a message for them and they're um not going to like it. <laughs> Damn. Ooh, this is the time when I wish these windows were double pane. Yeah, cold up in here. Yeah, filling these drafts. <laughs> I uh, closed them when I got here because I was like, "No way, it is too cold." No, it is freezing. Yep. Um, Brian comments. Uh, Brian comments uh, for them to look at his chest. Beetles release from his chest cavity. Frank tells them to pray for death. Oh, yeah. I love the way he looks. Like, his eyes are blackened and his face is split. Mm -hmm. Fuck, it's so cool. And you see, like, these bugs and shit crawling on his face. I wanted more of that throughout. Me too. Me too. Everything. I wanted that. I wanted that to be the son of Satan. Yeah. Instead of how it looked on Kelly. Yeah. Because Kelly just looked like a burn victim. Yeah. His, His head falls off. As the bugs leave from his body, and his body begins to disintegrate. Cut to, um, and this right here is just, it's amazing work of art. All of that. Yeah, that I think it's the, the best scene in the whole movie. I agree. On a visual standpoint. Absolutely. Cut to Calder dragging a chair up the stairs, singing Amazing amazing Grace loudly. Walter uh, runs, runs out to him. The others follow. Now, this is fascinating because I feel like Calder knows he's possessed. And he knows he's in transition. It felt like that, yeah. And, and I think that's why he's singing Amazing Grace. He's mm. singing a Christian song. Mm-hmm. And he ends his life hoping that that passes it. Like, oh. That he doesn't have to deal with being possessed. He's you know, that makes a lot more sense, yeah. yeah. So, like, I don't understand why he did it in front of people. Yeah. But I think that's I that's what makes sense to me. Okay. I'll take it. Calder breaks off a plank from the chair, chuckling as he uh, continues to sing. He stabs himself in the throat, slicing it open and falling to the ground. But no blood. No blood. No blood. This was weird for me. I, I, I needed I needed some a little bit of gushy gush there. I, I literally thought he didn't get it done. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, did he scratch himself? Like, <laughs> like, what happened here? Kelly is asleep on on the bed as Lisa and Susan stand next to her bed with the container. How the fuck did they get that up there? Yeah. And silently. And, like, it has wheels? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, what? What's yeah. happening here? Calder is dead on the on the ground as Father Loomis tries to read him his rights in Latin. He stops calling out no. Barack and Leahy try to push the doors open, but um, but they are barricaded from the other side. Brian and Lomax tries to do the same, peeking through the crack of the door, seeing that they are surrounded. Walter goes to find Kelly, opening the door and trying f- trying for the light. I love how like just the shit hits the fan here, though. Yeah, this is great. Very quickly, he walks into the room, noticing the cylinder dripping the green liquid all over the ceiling. He's in awe as it is rapidly flooding into Kelly into Kelly from her eyes and mouth. This was intense to see. Oh my god! It yeah. was 
it was intense and it was also just so jarring. Yeah, definitely. It's like I like I imagine the way I imagine it is that episode of SpongeBob <laughs> when SpongeBob is shooting the snowballs and they're going into oh, Patrick's yeah. mouth. That's what this looks like, but on a real level. <laughs> <laughs> Through a real person's right. eyes and mouth. Like, oh my God. He is, uh, and it's like going into her. It looks like it's coming out, but it's going in. Yeah. He is startled by Susan um, standing right next to him, uh, staring at him as he falls to the ground. The rest of them all meet up in the hallway, panicking about being locked inside. Leahy walks into the room where, uh, where Walter is. Walter screams for him not to come in there and that um, it is in there. Lisa springs out, spitting the liquid into his mouth. He falls back, gagging and gasping for air. They all try to check on him, Lisa stepping in front of him. Father Loomis runs inside another room, closing the door. Walter points uh, points the light at Susan, running inside of a, running inside a closet. The others uh, back away from Lisa. Calder walks into the into the room, darkly chuckling. I love his transition. Yeah, because of the fact that he just has this constant chuckle, and it's so weird. It is very odd. It's very jarring and creepy. I just wondered why only him. Uh, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Mullins had the neck thing. His neck was like, <laughs> like all like. I, I think it was literally broken. Yeah, I think that's yeah. true. That's true. Actually, <laughs> I forgot his neck broke. Um, then Mullins on the other side, um, of them. They run into a room, barricading the door. Father Loomis still in the other room, hearing the commotion, hiding in a corner. Meanwhile, Walter goes to check through his door, Calder maniacally chuckling at the end of the hallway. Him and Lisa still standing there. The others try to catch their breath inside the break room. Walter checks out, uh, checks checks out of his closet door susan walks away meeting up with lisa coming into the room they stand there watching him he shines his light on them then on kelly who is now asleep but now pregnant <laughs> yeah intense i thought we were gonna see a birthing scene i thought so too and i think we kind of did i just think it just birthed inside of her yeah Father Loomis continues hiding in the boiler room, and Leahy wakes up, groaning. Catherine whispers that the sun is coming up. Barack checks outside the window, noticing that they are still surrounded outside. Cut to Kelly, now her skin rapidly changing, almost as if she was burned. Walter's still inside the closet, trying to make a joke about him being dominated by women. What the fuck? Apologizing for what he said earlier. What the fuck? He, this, he's so weird. He is like, an odd like, one. I don't know if I like his character. Like, there's times where I do like his character. It's weird because I, I really feel like don't. his character feels realistic in a sense that, like, sure, people were jokey like that, especially back then. But I people think it just doesn't age well. Yeah, he yeah. plays too much. Yeah, like, he just, he just plays too much. From the other room, Catherine um, thought she could hear Walter. She places her ear on the wall, the others kneeling behind her. She calls out to Walter. He goes to the wall asking her, what the fuck does she want? That was weird, too. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck do you want? <laughs> I was like, I'm trying to help you, bro. Like, I hear you. Like, what do you mean? Like, all right, stay there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> she asks where he is. He doesn't think about think she uh, would believe him if he told her. <laughs> He touches on the wall, um, tapping it with the flashlight, yelling if they can dig him out of there. Brian and, Ka and Catherine knock on the wall, not sure since the um, wall is pretty thick. 
She um, asks if he's all right. He claims that he's all right. They grab a wood plank. Walter tells tells him um, to wait so he can check so he can check on what they're doing. Uh, doing the same thing as before. He tells them that they are stand, just standing there, not trying to get in. Not sure on the reason why they they stopped attacking. Brian asks where uh, where he is exactly. He answers that he's in the closet. Catherine begins hitting the wall uh, with the wood, it beginning to break. Um, she shouts that uh, she, uh, she's going to try to get him out. Walter asks how long will it take. Brian answers <laughs> that it'll take a couple of hours. How do they know that? I don't know. It's so weird. I'm like, what? And if he would have said a couple hours, I'm like, cool, let me help you on the other side. Yeah, because apparently you're capable. Right. Like, start breaking the wall, too. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Like, it would make it go by faster, too, instead of you just sitting there twiddling your thumbs, waiting for them to break in. Yep. Father Lewis is trying to get some rest, I think. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> tell what he was doing. Like, yeah, it looked like he was either. falling asleep <laughs> while Calder's still in there looking at the mirror. It didn't make any sense. Okay. To me. You know what? I think he's praying. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that's what it is. I think he's closing his eyes to pray, <laughs> but I don't know. Father Loomis, uh, or uh, waking up from from banging on the door, Calder bursts through the door. Something catching his attention. Father Loomis hides behind the furnace. Calder giggles as he looks at himself in the mirror, turning into laughter as he reaches for it. Brian and, and Barack look out of the window again, noticing the group of homeless people. Brian jumps out of the window. <laughs> they start to approach him. They call him back up as they are getting closer to him. They help him back inside. <laughs> like, Come on, jump back up here. It's a one story high. Like, I don't. What is. <laughs> I, I, I just don't know what's happening at this point. I don't know. I don't know. And uh, I think that's the point. I think the point is like they're panicking. Yeah. And they, they don't know what to do. They're trying to just try anything. <laughs> but the funny part is that there's a fence right next to him that he could have hopped. Yeah. I was like, why don't you just hop the fence? <laughs> Make a run for it. Do something. Yeah. Could have been it. Walter tries to be funny, leaning over and noticing that Kelly's body is, is shifting and something is coming out. Cut to the dream transmission, the year at the end almost completing. 1999. Catherine uh, wakes up. Lomax is still working on the wall. Brian plots with um, Barack that they uh, can try to... They can try for the hallways when it gets dark, suggesting that he can break some windows and call for help. But Barack uh, knows that nobody, like, you're at a window. Yeah. Why don't you just start doing that now? Yeah. <laughs> uh, whatever. I lost my spot. <laughs> this is this is me. This is my karma. Talking shit. But it's okay, because I found it. <laughs> Barack knows that nobody out there can help him. Catherine goes up to Brian, asking him about uh, what he had to tell her um, the other morning, commenting that it's the only thing that matters to her right now before going in for a kiss. We still don't find out what he was trying to tell her. She kissed him. I think it was just, I love you. Dude, you've met me last week. Dude, that's the 80s, and especially in movies. And this is what I'm trying to tell y'all right here. Remember, keep this in your mind. They had this canoodle, <laughs> canoodle literally last night. Yeah. And he fell in love. Those hormones released, man. <laughs> I guess. Galder is whimpering as he touches the mirror. Father Loomis um, reading the Bible as he does so. And he's reading it out loud. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, like not trying to be discreet at all anymore. Very confusing. I don't know if he thought it'd be more powerful. Maybe. Um, but I do like the context of the mirror of how like yeah. how we see that 
um, Calder is looking in the mirror and he's having this moment to himself. Yeah. And it's very what, intriguing because it seems like he he's aware but is not capable. Right. Yeah. And here's the fascinating part that I'm theorizing in my head right now. I think Calder is looking at the mirror because it is technically the son of Satan possessed this person. Mm-hmm. The son of Satan sees his father mm. through the uh, reflection there. Yeah. And I think that's why he has that moment. And he touches it. He touches the, the mirror, but nothing happens because he's not inhabited in a complete body yet. Yeah, exactly. And I I love that context here. Kelly's on the Kelly, on the other hand, skin is peeling and shit. Um, she starts to moan in agony as Walter continues watching from the, from inside the closet. Barack is looking outside the window, comparing the work the worker ants that are on the seal to the street people and their colleagues, all being controlled. Being uh, Brian questions demo- demonic possession. Barack thinks of thinks of a kind, but not what they would expect. Catherine wonders why would uh, would he need them reciting the book saying that his purpose is to bring the, the father back from the dark side. Barack uh, comments that there can be there can be limits to what what he can do based on the volume of liquid controlling simple organisms easily um, easily but needing something more complex to complete a life cycle needing a host in which to live. Walter calls out to them sharing that Kelly is changing again. He mentions that her swelling has gone down as um, as if it was absorbed by her system continuing that her bone structure is also changing i don't i was interested by that the bone structure sounds like i can't really tell but whatever he's a scientist not realizing that her skin is peeling off maybe yeah that's how he contextualized it yeah that makes sense okay yeah all right i believe that uh, Barack thinks that this this is uh, the only way that he can actualize power, and this being a just a gestation period. Catherine shares that Kelly had a mark that was uh, that was br- a bruise, almost like a figure. She remembers seeing it in a history book, not knowing that the astro- that it was the astrologer's staff used in ritual magic in the Middle Ages. Knowing that she was chosen, Barack shouts for Walter to keep watching her closely. Um, and any and if anything changes, let them know. Father Loomis um, softly reads the Bible, quote, God and the Father of our Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, I appeal to your holy name, humbly begging that you will grant us help against this unclean spirit, unquote. Calder continues frowning at himself in the mirror as Father Loomis continues. Walter shines the light back on Kelly. She wakes up staring at him and laughing evilly. She looks up at the at the cot next to her, moving it with her mind. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. Really good acting this, on her part. This she looks nuts. Yeah. Like she's like It's terrifying. Yeah. Like she with the smile mm-hmm. and the rotten. She did teeth. her homework. I was like, damn. And she completely doesn't look like Kelly. No, anymore. not at all. Like, yeah. This looks great. The the uh the costuming. Yes. Fantastic, right? Absolutely phenomenal. Meanwhile, Father Loomis fights tears as he continues reading from the Bible. Calder looks back at Father Loomis, whispering, uh, whispers, asking where Christ is. Kelly sits sits up on the bed, smiling at the light, forcing it to to burn out. Walter freaks the fuck out as she continues moving things um, with her mind. He starts hysterically screaming for help, 
I do like his acting here, though. Yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. Brian and the others move their barricades um, out of the way. Kelly snarls and gets up out of bed. She walks up to Lisa and Susan, then stares back at the closet door cracking it with force <laughs> Walter moves back Lisa and Susan walk over to the door forcing it open Walter smacking the shit out of the wall with his flashlight Catherine is working on the other side while the others cautiously open the door Baraka grabbing a chopstick and um, shaking a beer can that was weird I think it was to be like a like a decoy of some kind the chop I mean well I just think Biting on the chopstick was weird. Oh, I think he just just did it so he could shake the beer can. I don't know why he didn't hold it in the other hand, but yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or why he even picked it up. I mean, I know why he picked it up, but right for a weapon as of later. Yeah, but like I don't know. It just seemed super off to me. That's fair. Yeah. Mullins pops through the door, reaching for Brian. He comes inside the room. Barack spraying him in the face with. Uh, uh, with uh, the beer and Lomax and Brian hitting him in the face, I would have been fucking him up. Yeah, uh, uh, dude, he would not have survived. Take multiple hits, man. And absolutely, but that is one thing that we should um, take note in that even though that they can fight them as humans, they are still kind of like indestructible because they're already dead. So like, it's interesting because they're kind I mean, of treated like these puppets. Yeah, later on, Lisa and Susan get like pushed out a window, and that was it. Right, like. And he gets stabbed in the in the face, <laughs> and he falls to the ground. But I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. I don't know. Maybe it's like a like a proximity thing. I don't fucking know. Whatever. Mullen spits at Lomax, um, connecting and causing him to fall fall back and gag. Barack st- um, stabs him in the eye, and he falls to the ground. That's it. He's done. Kelly sh- uh, sees her reflection in the pocket mirror on the ground, in shock by the way she looks. At the time, that's what it feels like, right? At, that's what it feels like at the time, yes. Right. But in, in reality, she's seeing her She's seeing the, the portal to the dark side. Right, exactly. She's like, Dad, yeah. I'll see you. Papa! Walter continues trying to um, uh, work like hell to get out of the room. Brian leaves the break room and armed with a wood plank. Lee, he walks toward him. He snarls and spits, Brian ducking and hitting him in the face. Fuck you! <laughs> Catherine and Walter um, finally get the uh, get the passage open. He tries to wiggle his way through. Lisa jumps on him um, and grabs his leg as they pull him through. It looks like she's biting his leg. But, <laughs> but she's just grabbing it. He, she she holds on. She holds on, and they start beating the shit out of her <laughs> with bricks. Dude, they're kicking her ass. Yeah, like dude, they're like not giving her a chance. But she gets up and like strong arms him a little bit, but not for long. Not because my boy Walter yeah. is a beast right now. I don't understand why he was so worried the whole time. Yeah, it was like, bro, like you had this. <laughs> Kelly picks up the mirror, continuing to stare at herself. Lisa stands um, stands despite the blows. Walter and, and Barack chuck, um, chucks her out of a window. He's like, knees her first and then chucks her <laughs> out of a window. <laughs> Kelly whispers for her father and the mirror illuminates. She reaches her hands um, inside the mirror, screaming and throwing the mirror down, breaking it. Don't know why. 
Um, Brian sneaks past her door, then hearing Calder whimpering and sneaking past him. Kelly goes into the boiler room with Calder touching his whimpering face. They both st um, start looking at it themselves in the mirror. She approaches, it, um, she approaches it, calling for her father again, the mirror illuminating the whole room. Father Loom is watching from behind the furnace. Susan goes after them. Walter flips her ass out of the window, too. Kelly holds uh, calls out the mirror. Father Loomis grabs an axe off the ground, trying to work himself to kill her. Um, she reaches inside the mirror. He gets up, doing the sign of the cross, calling her an unclean spirit. Calder is about to attack, but Brian grabs him and pulls him out of the room. Father Loomis chants in Latin, chopping Kelly's arm off. Brian is trying to overpower Calder, but Calder laughs as he smashes Brian's uh, smashes Brian into the wall. And this is kind of rough. Yeah, he's is. like, he's like, <laughs> just like, damn. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, inside the boiler room, Kelly rapidly regrows her arm. Father Loomis chops her head off. She simply picks her head back up and puts it back on. This was really nicely done. This was awesome. Yeah. He chants in Latin. She telepathically moves the furnace, pinning him. Meanwhile, Brian is getting his ass whooped. Catherine goes over um, to his aid, dodging Leahy as she uh, springs back to life. And this was funny. She's like, like trying to cautiously like go <laughs> past him, and he's like, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> like this was great. <laughs> Kelly runs, runs back to reaching inside the mirror, calling for her father to come, uh, come back to freedom. A dark hand reaching out for hers. Catherine is running over to Brian, stopping when she hear when she notices Kelly. She begins to cry. We ain't got time for this. Yeah. Stop crying. Like, like, let's get this shit. Let's let's get this shit. Yeah. Like, let's get this shit. Come on. Um, Calder is is almost get, getting the best of Brian about to spit into his mouth. I do not know why my voice just cracked right there. But <laughs> congratulations, everybody. I'm in my 30s and I'm still in puberty. <laughs> Kelly is putting putting in the hand of the uh, is pulling in the hand of the devil. Catherine runs and tackles her inside the mirror. <laughs> Biggest disappointment. Why? She could have just, push just pushed her. <laughs> yeah, she could have just pushed her. I'm so upset. <laughs> this made no sense for me, but hey, I haven't seen this movie in so long. When was the last time you seen it? God, maybe college. Okay. So, yeah, and I think I've only seen this movie once. Got so it. this is my second time watching this, and I was just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. She, like, closed her eyes, too, and was like, <laughs> <laughs> just started running. <laughs> Full force. Going in. No. Didn't even know what was going to happen. <laughs> right. Like, you don't even know what you're doing yeah. right now. You couldn't You don't know anything equations. about the mirror or what's in there or how. Like, you don't even know that is a mirror. Your ass is stuck. Like, yeah. congratulations. You fucked yourself over. Oh, like, God. come on. You played yourself. Come on. Father Loomis saying, fuck your girlfriend, in Latin <laughs> as she throws the axe at the mirror, breaking it. Oh, man. Catherine tried to reach back out, drowning it, drowning in the abyss. All the possessed bodies have have steam leaving them from their mouths. I like that. It dried up. It reminds me of uh, Dr. Sleep. You haven't seen that yet, but it no. runs a Dr. Sleep. And the liquid turning into steam. The homeless folk disperse, and they're like, oh, shit. All right, I guess we're done here. Walter <laughs> gets, gets the fuck out of there. Cut to the next day. Bodies being wheeled out um, by the police. I love that Walter is the one who runs. 
would have been so funny honestly i was like where is he going (laughs) it would have been so funny if he would have come back that's what i thought (laughs) because he looked left and right like he's like i'm fucking out i'm not getting pinned for any of this (laughs) (laughs) it was so good cut to the next day bodies being wheeled out by the police and the paramedics whilst you're watching by the cop car once again there's a fucking blanket (laughs) (laughs) it's a blanket and trauma I don't know that's what it is it's just blanket trauma I don't know Father Lewis is on the stretcher telling Barack that they stopped it um, there through the uh, grace of God relieved to know that the future conjured by the devil would not happen now (laughs) (laughs) we did it everyone's like dead he's like we did it (laughs) oh god Everybody's dead. <laughs> it's just like we did it. <laughs> By the power of God, we did it. Yeah, this was great. Oh my God, I'm crying right now. <laughs> I, I'm so sorry, everybody who's listening to this right now. Brian cries over the broken mirror. Barack comment, commenting that the um, the smaller parts cannot live with without the strength of the whole. Okay. So my girlfriend had <laughs> He was like, she had to die. <laughs> what? Adding that they um, had to die to fade away as the hole was thrown back and, and uh, repelled. Concluding that they're safe now, but he's waiting on the other side. He approaches Brian, assuring him, I can't get through this. <laughs> he approaches Brian, assuring him that she died for them. I'm like, that's not good enough reason. Uh, cut to the distorted voice of the dream. Um, in the dream, the shadowy figure um, in the door is now the outline of Catherine. The transmission year completing in 1999. Catherine spreads her arms op- out as she uh, becomes more focused. Brian gasps awake. He turns over, screaming from Catherine inside out next to him on his bed. She looked like she was T-posing when she came out. That's true. <laughs> I kind of did. Um, he actually wakes up this time, breathing heavily as he looks at the mirror. He goes up to it, touching his face and then reaching for the mirror. Then, credits. What a ride. <laughs> Hell of a fucking movie. Yeah, that's for sure. It is It is fun. This was a, this yeah. is a fun flick. I think this is, I say this for many films, but this is a fun one to make fun of and watch with friends and yes. just like fuck around. Yeah, this was, this is a fun movie. Um, Like I said, I enjoy it. Yeah. Like I enjoy it. Like, will I watch this again? Probably not. Like I would probably watch In the Mouth of Madness before this oh, again. Oh, hell yeah. It presents itself too seriously at first. It takes yeah. itself very seriously for the first act. Right. And then you're like, it goes bonkers. What is going end. on? Like, it's just like all this science shit. I should have been paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> like, damn. But I got some movie facts for us here. Movie facts. <gasps> this is the second film in what John Carpenter calls his apocalypse trilogy, as we've known. The other two being The Thing and In the Mouth of Madness. John Carpenter's first film that he made independently since Escape from New York, not only because the box office failure of his previous film Big Trouble in Little China, but also his frustration with working with studios. Oh, wow. Damn. I mean, working with studios could probably be such a drag. Yeah, I bet. Like, all your creative freedom is gone. Yeah, I don't think that's fun for anyone in the field. Yeah, seriously. That's what you got into it for. Right. The reoccurring dream was shot on video and filmed off of a TV television screen. Oh, wow. That's that's interesting. Alice Cooper used the bike impalement trick in his stage um, stage shows prior to this movie. The bike he uses was his own personal prop. 
Wow. Interesting. Um, it looked pretty beat up. <laughs> it did, yeah. Uh, the movie was shot in just over 30 days. Hmm. The parts played by Donald um, uh, Pleasance, Victor Wong, and Dennis Dunn were written specifically for them by John Carpenter due to his enjoyable prior collaborations with them. That's awesome. It's really cool. That's amazing. Yeah, it's good to hear. The genesis of the project came from Deborah Hill describing a dream she had um, of a vague, dark figure exiting a church, which fil- filled her with dread. John Carpenter developed a story around th- this idea in hopes of recreating the fear Hill really felt. I would hate to have a dream like that. My goodness. Deborah Hill was a goddess, <laughs> and she was taken from us very, very, like, way, way, way too soon. Um, I think in the 90s oh. she passed, but... Yeah, that she's had she, her mind was incredible, but she was the main collaborator with Car- Carpenter. Got it, got it. Like, she was like his main producer. She was like, Yeah, bro, like, here's money. Like, here's <laughs> money. Here's money. Let's do this. Um, let's do one more. Let's get a slightly juicy one. <laughs> Uh, Carpenter's love of science let this who would have thunk it let the story idea involving quantum mechanics and the crossroads of science and religion he had uh, become fascinated with uh, with quantum uncertainty after reading several books on the subject but he ultimately felt it was impossible to explain quote it was all mumbo jumbo anyway it was just a horror movie End quote. He says, um, Jason suggests that uh, the the script touches on just enough of it to catch and hold viewers' interest. That's a take. That is a take. <laughs> definitely a take. Uh, but what a flick. Yeah. Man, what a flick. It's definitely a unique one. Definitely is. Definitely is. Um, but if you guys didn't know by now, um, or I didn't mention this earlier, we are not going to have an episode at the end of this month. We're going to be taking a week off to kind of enjoy and recharge our batteries a little bit. Um, so we are going to be taking the week off for New Year's Eve. And plus, who's listening to a podcast on New Year's Eve? Exactly. Enjoy your time. Enjoy your <laughs> life. You know, don't don't listen to us. Um, but wow. listen to us. <laughs> 2022. 2022. Can't believe it. It's, it's right around the corner. This This year has been fucking incredible. This year, at the same time, has felt like it's gone by so quickly, yet has felt like forever. True. Very true. But to conclude this month for our Possession Horror Month, we are simply going to end it with a motherfucking masterpiece. Possession. (laughs) Oh my God, I cannot wait to revisit this movie again. I watched it recently. Oh, really? I can't wait to watch it again. I mean, I've seen this movie before in college. Yeah, when was the last time you watched it, though? Uh, maybe two months ago. Oh, wow, that is very recent. Yeah, so I'm very excited. And I, I really hope you can come to that episode because that movie specifically is 100% your jam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was your, I was one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knights. Alongside me, we had David. Stay spooky, everyone. Always also known as Nightly. Our efforts to get the show out is not enough. We need your help to spread us out to more blue stars. Rate us with five stars is very helpful, but we would love for you to recommend this podcast to someone who would actually enjoy it. You can further support the show over on patreon.com slash Life. That's like what they will. By pledging on Patreon, you'll access the show ad-free and as early as Monday with the post-show. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. An episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. And remember, everybody, don't forget your nightlight.